In marriages, there are often difficult conversations that can be places of impasse without the adequate tools to find a place of unity. Finding ways to have crucial conversations with creative times can make the difference between a moment of conflict and one when there is clarity. In this episode, watch out for a surprise guest that pops in unknowingly. Why, you may ask? Well, because this is Together. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways that marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell. Hey, Samuel, it's good to hear your voice. Hey, Kelly, it's, it's good to be heard, man. This, is, this has been a... Uh... A season to to remember, you know, it's been great to just spend time with family and friends and uh, looking forward to, to hearing about what we're talking about today. Yeah, we're talking about a really important topic today. In fact, it's in the top three most important topics that you can talk about when you're talking about marriage. So the top three would be communication which we're going to talk about today. That makes a ton of sense. <laughs> uh, money. So are couples on the same page when it comes to their finances? And then the last one is sex. And uh, But typically, if you've got those three working in the right direction, your marriage is probably doing pretty well. And if you don't have a couple of those, or maybe even three of them working in the right direction, your marriage is probably not doing terribly great. So I think for today, we've got some great information about how to do some communication and conflict resolution. And so we're going to start with a basic. And this is basically where I start with all my couples when it comes to to communication, and that is active listening. Mm-hmm. One way to think about this is that typically when we get in an argument with somebody, we turn off our ears. We don't do a good job of listening. Uh, in fact, what's happening is the person's arguing with you and you've got your ears like the volume of your ears are like at the half point and you're kind of listening And then the other thing that you're doing is you're creating in your own mind what you're going to say and the arguments you're going to make about the issue that you're having an argument about, whether it's your spouse, a kid, a friend, whoever. Yeah, I think we've all been uh, guilty of that <laughs> for sure. I know I have been. Uh, I can, I, I, I know I can remember when you know several people that I've talked to when they've been talking about their marriage, uh, where you're so busy preparing your rebuttal, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, so, you're so busy preparing what you want to say or how you feel as a defense mechanism to, to before the other person even gets a chance to share what they want to share. <laughs> I've definitely been guilty of that myself. Absolutely, Samuel. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over just kind of the basics because active listening actually is really, really simple concept. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if couples just do this, I think it will dramatically change how they communicate and they'll do a better job of communicating and they, they will do a better job of listening to their spouse. So the basic premise 
So I'm going to share the basic premise, and then I want you, Samuel, to just talk about the ABCs of active listening. So the basic premise is I talk, I'm making my point, you are not allowed, say you and I are in an argument uh, or a, a heated discussion. Sure. And we're arguing about something. So the way active listening happens, a typical argument in a bad way, in an unhealthy way, is you have two people talking at the same time. And when that happens, also another dynamic that will pop up is your voices will get louder because you're trying to talk over the other person. So I'll speak up. uh, (laughs) Did you you hear Siri? (laughs) Oh, that's great. I was like, you said it right. She said it right on command. I'll speak up. (laughs) (laughs) We got to keep this for the recording. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Okay. Siri and I, Siri and I are having an argument right now. (laughs) Sure. And she interjected. She was not actually practicing active listening. And again, when typically what happens in a bad argument is both people are talking and they begin shouting over one another. And that is when you get to that point, you might you both should really just shut up and leave the room and go (laughs) at it again. There you go. And try this, try this thing that we're trying to teach you right now called active listening. So anyway, um, the basic premise is I get to talk. Mm-hmm. It's my turn to talk, Samuel. Be quiet. Uh, it's my turn to talk. And I'm going to share my perspective on our argument. And mm-hmm. you are going to listen. And fully listen. Mm-hmm. And then what you and you'll go a little bit deeper into this or you're a different angle into this. And then what your job is now, point two, point one is Kelly gets to talk. Point two, Samuel has to summarize. Mm-hmm. Samuel has to summarize what I just said. And so point three would be comes back to me again. And uh I let you know if your summary was spot on or not, or like maybe you said in your summary, you said something that I like felt like I didn't say, well, no, no, Samuel, I I wasn't trying to say that I was trying to say this. Hmm. And again, the cool thing about that, when you get to that point in active listening, you're creating clarity with both one another and you're not misunderstanding the other person typically. Not always, but typically. And so with that, uh, I think that then what happens is that then it's your turn. If we got the summary correct and I'm like, yep, that's basically what I said, then now it's your turn to share. And now I have to be quiet. What are your thoughts about that? And what are, you know. Sure. Sure. I, I think that in this, right, when whenever we're because we're talking to mentors who are in front of a couple in this moment. And so I think just to model this, like if you're a mentor and you're even listening to couples kind of talk about their issues or talk about the problems that they're having in their marriage or in their relationship, you know, when 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 couples are practicing summarization, you know, it's often case uh, a predictor that 
you know, one person, one person is speaking or talking and sharing information. The other person, if they don't have their active listening ears on, they're often cases going to miss the synopsis or the summary of what that person is saying. And they probably won't even be able to repeat it back. But I think what begins to be important is that as you're a mentor couple, listening to someone share, it will be really good to model. So, for example, everything that Kelly just said, you know, kind of looking at those three points and being like, okay, so it sounds like you're saying this, A, then this, B, then this, C. And you're modeling that for that person's spouse. So that way, in in teaching active communication, active listening, now when it's the other person's turn to talk, again, as a mentor couple, you're getting an opportunity to model that back to the other spouse. And then that's where I think it's important to then cause them to practice, but you're explaining what's actually happening to that men- to that uh, mentee couple. So I, I think that's what I'm hearing you saying, um, just with an active example, Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. Yeah. So what it does, the reason why I like active listening is it slows down an argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually when we get in an argument, especially with our spouse, especially if it's about an emotional topic, uh, what happens is we go to some really bad places. And one of them obviously is like trying, as I said earlier, trying to talk over the other person Mm -hmm. and active listening cuts that out, like just cuts it out because only one person is allowed to talk. Now, I will say this, uh, two points. When you first do active listening, it's going to maybe seem, what's the word? It's going to seem maybe not very natural. Sure. It, it won't it won't flow the same way because it's it's in blocks, right? We right, normally right. don't talk like this. Kind of like you. We we have a banter going on. Sure. Um, but that's not how you want to do active listening. And in most cases, that's not how you want to argue with somebody. You want it in those blocks of communication. And the more you do it, the more it will become natural. And so, yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I, I think with, with any of this, and this is, you know, true in, in both of probably our practices of how we worked with clients, you know, it's going to feel, what's the term, robotic, right? It's going to mm-hmm. feel like this is this is a robotic type of communication because you're telling me in the natural course of what I'm really concerned, mad, frustrated, angry, or sad about, that you're telling me I have to practice not only listening, but taking a turn because I'm not used to doing that as a person that is communicating with my spouse. And so like in this whole thing, it begins to be really important that when you're, when you're, you know, we're talking about all again on the mentee side or the couple that's having the issue or problem or the argument on that side of things, it's going to be really important to, 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 to practice this. And, and just like any skill, any tool that's given to someone when it's new or when it's something that you're not good at, you're going to have to practice at it. And, and it's okay to practice at it because all it, all it does is just helps you in the long run or the long term of things when you're trying to learn a skill that helps you and your spouse get on the same page. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you're trying to deal with a conflict or you're trying to just increase your level of communication, it's an opportunity to, for you to learn a skill, to grow in it, practice it, and then it become a part of the way that you communicate from there on out. 
Yeah, I really like that, Samuel, about that aspect of practice. Because uh, that's what it will take. It'll take yeah. uh, a couple to put this in practice and just try it out and practice it. But the other thing I would say, too, is you got to keep at it. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't feel right or work perfect the first or second time, keep at it. Now there is, and I, I mentioned this earlier, it does slow down an argument, and that again yeah. is a good thing. But it maybe will again will feel a little bit unnatural. And I'll give you a flip side. So active listening, bare minimum, probably will take you at least a half an hour, and mm-hmm. that was that's just with one topic because you're. You're speaking, then summarizing, and then clarifying if that summary was right, and then it's the other, per- you know. So as you can see, it there's there's a lot of back and forth, and it just again slows it down. But how normally an argument happens if you don't do active listening, it goes very fast. You're both talking fast, you're both talking loud, and then when you get done with the argument. Guess what? It's a lose-lose. Both of you walk away from that uh, argument uh, feeling like nothing's resolved and probably uh, like you will feel like you weren't heard. And that ain't good. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, Kelly, I I have, you know, um, and I'm sure you have too, in the the concourse of talking with, with just several individuals who are married, you're coming to, you know, talk with a mentor couple or a pastor or a counselor and you're having all these things on your mind and you're hoping your hope and motivation may be totally different than what your spouse's is. And so with your varying levels of motivation and your varying levels of blame, you're trying to get everything out that you can because more than likely your spouse you feel has not heard you. Your spouse mm-hmm. you feel has not taken the chance to to listen to you, to take what you feel into consideration or they have just pressed their their own desires onto you and it makes you angry, irritable, mad, whatever those you know emotions that you have are. So by the time you get in front of somebody who is there to maybe facilitate and or support you in a conversation, especially with a mentor couple, you know, their goal is to to hear you out, you know, but also to make sure that the other person who you're married to, <laughs> who you're in relationship mm-hmm. with, hears you out and also is able to practice a little thing called empathy, which we'll get down there. But that's kind of like the next step of this beyond just the aspect of just initially, you know, being quiet for a second and listening to the other person talk and then being able to summarize or or use some other skills and tools that help them get there to understand what that person is saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one other thing, too, that I want to throw in here. You and I actually didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think it's an important element of conflict resolution with couples. And that is, uh, and there's two points here. Uh, not all of your arguments get, get resolved Mm. in that moment. That's so Uh, true. Sometimes arguments can last for a long time. Julie and I, uh, had an argument that lasted, easily five years and Mm. whenever this argument and actually back then we were not practicing active listening we were doing it the bad way and i think in large part that's uh, one of the reasons why the argument never got resolved 
because we would just get shouting at one another and you're not hearing me and get upset, blah, 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 blah. So number one, uh, sometimes arguments can last a long time and that is okay Mm. because as a couple, you um, are going to have disagreements and that is normal in a healthy relationship. Uh, It's normal and it's how you resolve these conflicts that are important. So, for example, one of the things I've heard before is, and this is a truth and it's not a truth in terms of applying to what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our listeners maybe have heard a Bible verse that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Mm. Okay. Yep. Have you heard that before? I have heard that before. I, I'm I'm so interested. Now you got me hooked because I want to hear your interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, number one, I've heard certain maybe authors, maybe pastors who have said, "Yep, you've got to if you're going to be arguing about a, about something, it's got to be resolved before you go to bed," and that is just not realistic. Okay. Mm. Uh, so again, kind of going back to Julie and I, uh, I'll tell you what our five-year argument was about. Mm. It was whether or not we were going to have a third child. And, uh, uh, we had Josiah and then we had Micah and Julie grew up in a family of four. I grew up in a family of two. It really wasn't something we had talked about before getting married. But in the back of Julie's mind, she always thought we were going to have three or four children. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I am definitely done at two. I do not want more children than two. And as you can see with that topic, and and here's an important point. Julie was absolutely adamant that three children or maybe even four children were right for our family. And I was adamant that... Two children were right for our family. And so we actually, in that argument, we did something else really, really bad now that I look back on it. Um, And that is, and don't do this. So listeners, what I'm about to share, do not do this. Um, We did it and I regret doing it back way back many years ago. And that is we brought, brought God into the conversation, meaning... Kelly would go, well, I think God wants us to have two children. And Julie would say, I think God wants us to have three children or four children. And so, uh, as you can see, with a topic like that, when you have both parties in, like just have a very different view on this, it's not going to be resolved by 11 o'clock tonight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I think that first does say is there are some arguments. There are some arguments that you can resolve by 11 o'clock before this, before the, before you put your head to the pillow. Um, But that's going to take humility and it's going to take active listening and really hearing the other person. So really, I think what that, that, uh, looking back at that era in Julie and I's life, looking back at that time, uh, 
and we did this we did this every now and then what what i think letting the sun go down on your anger means in that case is to stay to go to bed and just say and a lot of people have heard this line to agreeably disagree mm-hmm. julie and i did say that a lot honey we need to agreeably disagree about this issue we're not going to resolve this issue tonight And we need to get a solid seven or eight hours of sleep to be our best tomorrow. And so, therefore, why don't we shelve shelve this topic to another time Mm. and and to try to attempt to stay connected to your spouse, even though you really disagree with them? Hmm. That sounds... um great you know and 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 yet it sounds difficult at the same time like you know if i was if i was a listener listening to this and and i'm in the middle of um maybe weeks upon weeks or months upon months of an argument with my spouse and and you know i'm 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 looking at the word of god i'm using that as my context and I'm like, man, well, the Bible says not to go down sundown on my anger. And I'm using it as my context. I'm getting even more frustrated as a person because I've been having this discussion with my spouse um, that is just continuing on. And if I'm a person that likes to, you know, likes to be done with something and move on, it's probably very irritating. Like to that person, Kelly, you know, who who is just like, I, I've got to I've got to get out of this conversation. I've got to be done with this. I don't want this to carry on. I guess in that, what could be some advice to just help them work towards, you know, feeling better or working towards, you know, not being able to have this argument that is just continuing. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, number one, I am the person in my relationship with Julie. I am the person who wants things resolved. Mm. So I would be the person, I never did this, but this is just how I'm wired. I would be the person like, let's resolve this. Are we going to have two kids? Are we going to have three kids? Let's resolve it. And again, uh, I think the most important thing for me, and fortunately, Julie and I did, did do this during this time, and that is realizing that your spouse is a good person they are for you. They care about you. You do see this issue very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And again, that uh, I think the big part, uh, the Bible really pushes hard over and over and over again is patience. And just being patient, patient in the process of trying to figure out this argument Mm-hmm. where you disagree. And again, I think you are bringing up a great point, Samuel, and that is what we're talking about right now is a very complex issue. Yeah. And every case is different. And that is why in some cases, when you and your spouse are arguing uh, about something and you're, you're at an impasse, very wise would be to talk to a very, very trusted friend or a counselor or something, some, something like that. Yeah, that makes a, a ton of sense. Um, you know, I know for, again, our listeners, you may have been in a moment where you just feel like you're at an impasse. You're, you're, you've said what you can say, or you're, you're ready to get 
done with an issue. You're ready to be like, this is it. I'm not talking about this anymore. And yet it still may be um, a place of irritation for your spouse. You know, in those moments, you know, we just want to encourage you to let you know sometimes it's okay to be like, all right, you know what? We need to come back to this later. And, and, or the other person that's leading it may just need to be lead it into a place of, of peace and resolution for that time. Um, to then come back later. And so I think it's really important because in that there's a lot of context to, to someone's experience in that you're talking about things that may be attached or connected to, you know, uh, the way that your family communicates about a thing you're talking Mm -hmm. to about, you know, someone's um, emotional nature that they have maybe never shared or, or, or felt triggered by that they are now being triggered by and it may cause them to shut down. Right. You're talking about so many different aspects of a person, because one thing that you have always said, Kelly, is that often cases a marriage issue is also an individual issue. Mm-hmm. And and in those individual issues that you're bringing, you're bringing an entire uh, 20, 30 years of context into now a marriage in which, of course, you're not going to communicate the same way. Of course, you're not going to do what conflict the same way. You all have your own thought processes and ways of doing that, which often then cause when you're merging together in a union, whether you've been together for one year or you've been together for several years, you're merging together to try to navigate what it is that you're dealing with and, and in that it causes issues and problems. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really good, Samuel. It makes total sense. So to give a couple other tidbits, uh, so these are kind of like side notes about how to do conflict resolution. Um, three, uh, three other things are two or three other things that I recommend couples do is that they are purposeful about their conflicts, mm-hmm. uh, that they put a, put them on the calendar, like mm-hmm. literally put them on the calendar, and that that is sacred space. Uh, you don't have your kids around. You don't have screens on. You don't, you're not looking at your phone. Your attention is fully directed towards your spouse, and again, you're practicing active listening. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, one thing with that, And this is a, and again, this is who I am wired as, as I mentioned, when I get into an argument, number one, I will bring a lot of emotion to it. And that, that sometimes is not very good to bring emotion to an argument. Mm. Because again, if I bring emotion to an argument, that probably also tells me my ears aren't fully turned on and I'm not willing to fully listen to the other person. Uh, So, Say your spouse, I'll give you an example of how this works in real time. Say, say your spouse does something that upsets you. What unhealthy couples do is they try to resolve that conflict right then and there. And that most of the time is probably not the best time to resolve the conflict. Hmm. And so uh, as a start, it would be maybe good to go to your spouse and just say, hey, honey, I've got a few things I want to talk to you about. Um, can we set up a time to talk tonight at seven or tomorrow at 9am or whenever is convenient for you? Uh, another thing I would highly recommend, um, like for me, this, when I'm working with clients, uh, this is kind of a non-negotiable for me with them. And that is when you are sitting down to have this structured conversation, 
that you bring a, each that each of you bring a notebook. And so number one, when your spouse is talking, you're taking notes so that you can summarize well, um, as well as uh, maybe jot a note about what you want to say. That's totally okay to do that. Uh, but what it, again, what this does is this slows down the argument. As well as, I think one of the cool things, uh, Samuel, is when I'm working with clients, probably like maybe about 40% of my clients, when I'm working with them, they are taking notes while we are talking. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for a long time, uh, nearly 20 years. And every time, every time I have a client who brings a notebook to session and takes notes, what that tells me is that they value this conversation (laughs) and they value what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think, the same will will happen when uh, you bring a notebook, as well as it's a, it's a it can also be a thing that you can go back and look at, and even in a like in a positive way. Oh, look, honey, remember when we had this argument about so and so? Wow, we resolved that, and and we got through that because we um, discussed the issue correctly. Mm. So. Again, mentor couples, right? Mentor couples are sitting across from a couple. Again, it can apply it the same way. Mentor couples sitting across from a mentee couple and or in an individual context, um, it would be an important piece to encourage that 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 person, maybe even whether they choose to or not, to to write down <laughs> what they're what they're what they're feeling, what they're thinking about, the things that they want to share, and even the advice being given from that mentor couple. It also sounds like. You know, a really good piece of advice is to to calendar your conflict, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, to write down to make sure that you're encouraging that that mentee couple to 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 schedule when they want to have more of those uh, intense or, 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 you know, explosive potentially communication. So that way it's different because I, I think, too, Kelly, in this um, speaking on the scheduling piece, you know, I've encouraged couples to to take time to schedule various other things. You're scheduling sex, right? You can schedule mm-hmm. that if you want to. Scheduling, you know, your date nights. You do that, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to. So why not schedule certain types of conversations so that way, you know, both people are emotionally, mentally, spiritually prepared for that moment. And even put a time or a cap on it because if mm-hmm. you put a time and a cap on it, what it does is it says, hey, you know what? We're going to take this hour, hour and a half of time and work through a thing. And we're going to agree because here we are where we're talking about being in a place of agreement. We're going to agree to say to stop at this particular time, because right even there, that's a great skill to practice for the unity and the union of your marriage. And in, and in that, you're practicing what the spirit of agreement and, and walking in, in, in oneness, which uh, Pastor Jeff has been talking about to various mm-hmm. couples, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to kind of wrap this one up, and then we'll go into one final conversation, Samuel. Sure. Uh, again, I want to pound this. I pound it with my clients, and I want to really pound it here. And that is almost never, ever have an argument on the fly. Mm. Uh, Don't almost never have an argument when you're highly upset about something. Uh, So I think if you can start there, put into practice active listening, 
I think as a couple, you will find out, you will feel and be more connected with your spouse. And uh, so I highly, highly recommend you do you do that. Uh, kind of to, as, as our audience knows, we always, we're big book readers and big resource, really look for resources for uh, people who are listening. And there are so many good books on communication, but one of my favorites, and uh, I think you really enjoyed the book too, Samuel, is a book called Crucial Conversations. Yeah, great book. Uh, It's written by, and we'll put all this information in the show notes, but it's written by two uh, people, Carrie Patterson and Joseph Grinney. And uh, as a start, I want you to share a little bit because you've read it too, but in the reason why Crucial Conversations was written, uh, it works really, really well in the workplace. And in a way, that's the primary reason the book was written. Uh, and they begin the book with a very interesting story about how if you don't have a Crucial Conversation, it could like turn real bad. And they open the book by telling a story of uh, there was a plane, I think this is about 20 years ago, there was a plane flying out of Washington, D.C., and it got up in the air, and it just crashed into the ocean, and sadly, everybody died on that plane crash. Hmm. Um, but when they went back and listened to the black box, um, uh, they realized that the co-pilot was trying to get, and he was a young guy, and he was trying to get the attention of the main pilot of the plane that ah, this, this, this engine over there doesn't seem to be running quite, quite correctly. But he didn't just come out and say it. He kind of hemmed and hawed. And even at one point when you listen to the recording, this more senior pilot kind of shut him down. And sadly, you know, if the main pilot would have listened to the co-pilot that they probably would not have taken off. They would have repaired the engine and everything would have been okay. Um, and so when it, as a start for crucial conversations, one other key points, and I think this is so important is that when you are getting in, into a heated discussion with somebody or a disagreement with something, with somebody, you have to create a safe place. And what that means is, again, you're going to reset yourself and you're going to look at this other person across the table and you're going to say, you know what, especially when we're talking about our spouse or our kids, um, this, this person cares about me. This mm-hmm. person has my best interests at heart. Um, Cause in some cases, when when we go to an argument, we think the opposite. Uh, yeah, this person doesn't really care about me. Yeah. Uh, and again, we create false assumptions. One final point about this is that, and then I want you to share some things, what you found helpful about the book, um, yeah. Samuel, is, in, and you alluded to this earlier, in every marriage uh, when it comes to communication styles, we're usually opposites. Mm-hmm. So in my family, 
when we got upset at one another, we yelled at one another. We <laughs> we just you know <laughs> often not inappropriate, not a, not sometimes not appropriately, and um, we just yelled at one another. And in Julie's family, they didn't talk about the problems. Um, ah. They retreated. So as you can see, that's how we started our marriage. And in particular, so for a better word, you have a person who is aggressive and you have a person who's passive. And um, so if you are like me, the more aggressive person, you have to be very conscious of am I creating a safe space for my spouse to talk or am I by my yelling or my body language or the rolling of eyes or whatever I'm doing, am I shutting them down? So, yeah. So that's, that's a big part of that book. Yeah. That that's really good, uh, Kelly. And and thank you for sharing that. I I think my insights are are very similar and the same. Um, I think the biggest things that I take away and even the book really draws this out is, and it's like you said, you are two different people with two different experiences and two different backgrounds, often cases. And so, not only are your personalities going to differ, which we'll get into that in the later podcast, talking about the disc and mm-hmm. dating, um, but also your opinions are going to differ. And so when your opinions differ, it already, it already is going to do what the, uh, the book phrases as raising the stakes, right? It's going to mean that stakes are high in your conversation. You know, stakes are high because you, you are bringing all of you, often cases, to a conversation. Um, that's why it's called crucial. Uh, and then lastly, I think when those emotions are high, it's, it's starting with the place that, you know what, this is not my enemy. Um, and in many cases, I've had to tell, tell couples right in the beginning of the first session of counseling and or in the first session of just talking to a couple. Let's just start with the assumption that this person that you're that you are or and or were in love with is not your enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not there to tear you down and tear everything that you've ever established down. Maybe they just have something that they would like to share or get off their chest that they have never been able to really feel because they haven't been heard. And so mm-hmm. I think that begins to be really important when you're navigating these types of conversations. And so um, what I will say is, again, the Crucial Conversations book that we're uh, uh, kind of hinting at. Um, it is available um, all uh, all across different platforms, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and so on. Um, that book is by, I believe, uh, Grinny Patterson, McMillan, and Switzler, and mm-hmm. um, and in that, that's available. I've seen prices range from fourteen to twenty eight dollars. So mm-hmm. we just want to encourage you to get that book um, when you can. It'll help guide you through some very difficult places and bring some unity in regards to your conversation with each other um, as we're kind of ending this podcast today. Kelly, do you have any final words before I close this out? Yeah, I, I would say uh, just to make, you know, definitely if you're struggling in this area, grab the book. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to put some other resources in the show notes for you. But again, this this topic is uh, a top three topic for all marriages. And so this is only the beginning of the discussion about how to, um, how to have uh, important discussions with your spouse when you do disagree. So more, there'll definitely be more to come. Awesome. 
Great. Well, again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, liking and sharing um, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, in addition to that, uh, as Kelly has shared, uh, many of what we're the things that we're talking about will be available on our show notes. Um, we'll also add some things on uh, active listening and so on that you will be able to enjoy and hopefully practice with your spouse. Uh, for myself and Kelly Bonnewell, we will see you later. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, email us at care at adabible.org.